seen each other for a while, so it's a chance to catch up and and everything. But I just want to make make sure that uh, I respect your time and um, I don't want to have to talk too fast. That's the thing to make sure everything fits. How's everyone doing? Good. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, my name's Kathy, and uh, I actually am a teacher. I teach fifth grade out in uh, in Los Angeles Unified in Boyle Heights area, and so. Um, I have 32 little cherubs this year, and uh, so I, um, teaching what we were talking with Miss Helen here, I mean, teaching uh, fifth graders fractions is very different than standing up and teaching people about the Word of God. I mean, the accountability level is very, very different, but uh, nevertheless, it's always, a, it's always a joy and a pleasure and a, a privilege to, to teach, and so I want to go ahead and um, pray and, and get started talking about prayer, right? So go ahead and bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name, Lord, and uh, we come with expectant hearts, Lord, knowing that you have us here tonight for a purpose. You've called each and every one of us here, and and Father, I just rejoice as I look out over all these women, Lord, and just see them here eager to learn about you, eager to learn about prayer. And so I ask, God, that you would open all of our hearts as we get into your word tonight, Lord. Speak to our hearts and, and teach us, Father, what it is that we need to learn about prayer, Father, that we might draw closer to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Because we're not using a particular text today, I'm going to just be using a lot of different verses. Don't feel that you need to flip to all these verses because I'll read them. But um, for those of you who like to take notes, maybe just like note the text down. But don't feel like I said like you need to actually like go and read all the verses because I'll, I'll be reading them. Um, every year when, when we get the women's study gets, gets rolling in, so the teachers come together and they give us a schedule. Trudy and Karen make the schedule about who's teaching what. And it's always exciting, like, gosh, what do I get to teach this year? And, and at first I saw I was doing the introduction. I was, like, overwhelmed. I was really blessed. I go, wow, I get to do the introduction. And then I had this sense of panic that gripped me because I realized, wait a minute, I have to teach them about prayer. And you, when you think about it, I thought, gosh, I really truly know so little about praying. And so what did I start doing? I started saying what? Lord, teach me to pray, right? <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. It's, it's the same thing, the same reason we're all gathered here. You have to remember that the teachers who come up here, we're by no means experts on prayer. I mean, we're learning alongside of you as we go through all of this. Um, we don't know everything. And I know tonight in my introduction, there's no way I'm going to answer all of your questions about prayer. So aside from sharing just a little bit that I do know, there, I really have two goals tonight. And one of them is to stir a desire in your heart for prayer. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? I can't do that. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in your hearts to stir your hearts about prayer. I mean, I could say something, make you chuckle or whatever, but it's the Holy Spirit that does that in your hearts. And so I just want to be his vessel tonight that he would stir your hearts towards prayer. And the second thing is I just want to really encourage you to come back next week and the week after that and the week after that and the week after that, you know, to, to come and come and learn about prayer so we can learn together. And so tonight, as I said, it's going to be an introduction into prayer, and we're going to just keep it real simple. So our first point is going to be, what is prayer? We're going to look at why is prayer important, and we're also going to look at what can hinder our prayers. So what is prayer? Why is prayer important? And then what can hinder our prayers? You know, first of all, what is prayer? If, if you go to the Internet and you type in Google search, you type in the word prayer, you get 279 million results in less than a half a second. In 0.42 seconds. I mean, that just boggles your mind. You think about that. If you type in prayer, like definition, you find out that, that the word prayer is a noun, 
And it means a solemn request. It means um, a request for help, possibly, or an expression of thanks that's addressed to God or to some object of, of worship. And the word prayer can also mean a religious service, like we have prayer on Thursday nights. So it could be like a, a service. And then there's always Wikipedia. And I know, I can see some of you rolling your eyes, but you have to understand, why am I bringing all this up? You know, some people actually go there for, for their information. And I bring this up to remind you and to remind me that every day all over the world, there are thousands of people searching the Internet trying to figure out what prayer is, trying to understand this thing that we call prayer. But as Christians, ladies, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to worry about what prayer is. We can know with certainty. We can know exactly what prayer is because we have God's holy, inerrant word. We have our Bibles. So we don't have to be in the dark. We don't have to wonder what prayer is. You know, you can go to our children's ministry here and you grab any kid who's old enough to talk and you ask them what prayer is and they'll probably tell you that it's talking with God, right? I thought about bringing one in here, but I thought the whole podium issue might be, a, you know, might be a little difficult. But honestly, those of you who have kids, you realize that once you explain what prayer is to your children, I mean, kids, they have no inhibitions. They talk to God. It's a very, very natural, very open thing for them. Your prayer, we know, isn't very complicated. It's a very simple thing. But yet, even though it's very simple, it's so difficult at the same time that it takes our whole life to really kind of start to figure prayer out. And even then, even then, after years of trying to learn how to pray, I think we all will fall so woefully short, honestly, of what we could experience in prayer with the Lord. You know, there are those moments, there are those times when we feel very connected during our prayer with God. Those times when we feel that it was a very powerful time of prayer. But I think if we're honest, that most of us would say that our prayer life isn't what it needs to be. And that's why we're all here tonight, right? Asking the Lord to do what? To teach us, right, how to pray. You know, the word pray is first found in the book of Genesis. It's found in Genesis chapter 20 when God tells a guy named Abimelech, he said, ask Abraham to pray for you. That's the first time we find the word pray. But the whole concept of prayer is found much earlier. Back in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26, you know, you had Adam and Eve and you had the fall they had two sons. You had Cain and Abel, and then Abel was, was um, slain by Cain. And God granted them another son named Seth. And then after that, Seth had a kid. And so this is back in Genesis 4, and it says, As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And it doesn't mean that before then nobody ever called on the name of the Lord. No one ever talked to God. But the idea here is at that point, people began to gather once again to worship. People began to gather once again to call upon the name of the Lord. And most religions have some sort of prayer. You know, and even as Christians now, as we sit here tonight, for a lot of us, our idea of what prayer is, is influenced by what we were taught at some point in our life. I mean, unless you were born into a Christian household that, you know, believes in the Bible, and then you have a, a biblical perspective of what prayer is. But all of us who are sitting here tonight, that's not our story. It could be that maybe you were taught at one time that you needed to memorize certain prayers, and that if you repeated these prayers, you were going to be able to invoke God's blessing or God's favor. Or maybe you were taught that you can pray to someone besides God. You could pray to someone who has maybe better access to God, and they'll take that message to God, okay, because they were closer to him. It could be that you were taught you had to use a certain kind of vocabulary when you prayed, or maybe you had to change the tone of your voice, right, or something, right, or the volume of your voice, right? Those are things that people are taught about prayer. Or it could be that you were taught that the prayers of certain people, maybe the prayers of church leaders, 
were more powerful than the prayers of other people because maybe they were kind of closer to God. So their prayers were like more valuable than your prayers. Or it could be that your idea of what prayer is is, comes from what you've seen on Christian TV or what you've heard on Christian radio. Or for some of us here who honestly became Christians later in life, I mean, after you were grown up, and if you didn't grow up with any kind of a faith or church experience, you had no idea what prayer was. And now as a believer, you're like, yeah, what is this thing called prayer? Because as a Christian, now people talk about prayer, but some people, when they become Christians, honestly have no idea. They've never had an experience with prayer. But the bottom line isn't, isn't what we think, what someone has told us, or what I believe it is, but it's what does the Bible teach us about prayer. And the great thing is that God isn't going to leave us guessing because prayer is so important to him that he makes it very, very clear in the scriptures what prayer is. So to us as Christians, and the question is, well, what is prayer? And as we mentioned earlier, it's talking to God. It's talking to God. But it's a privilege. I want you, if nothing else, go away from here tonight realizing what an incredible privilege we have because we get to communicate directly with the creator of the universe. You don't have to talk to anyone else, go through anyone else. We can communicate directly with God. And we have to remember, ladies, it's not a bother to him. It's not a bother to him when we talk to him because he's the one who made it that way. He set this whole thing up. So don't think, oh, gosh, I don't want to bug God, right, and think you can't come to him. And the other thing I think is wonderful for us to remember is that God doesn't get tired of us coming to him. I mean, I get tired of me. (laughs) You know, my friends are much too kind to admit that they get tired of me, right? But God never gets tired of me going to him, right? He set this up. God set it up like that. And so you might be wondering, well, but then how does this whole thing work? Because the Bible also says that God is holy and we are sinful. And yet we're saying that we're going to God. We have that communion with God. In um, 1 Timothy 6.16, Paul says that God dwells in an unapproachable light. But then in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4 and verse 16, the author writes, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. So you have this unapproachable light, yet we're supposed to come boldly to God's throne. So you think, well, how does all this stuff fit together? And I think Paul kind of explained it a lot in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in, in verse 21. And Paul writes, For he, for God, made him he made jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him so we can come into god's presence in prayer because of who jesus christ is because of what he did you have to remember that our access to god in prayer our access to god in prayer does not depend on who we are it does not depend on what we do or what we can do And this is one of the biggest lies that Satan will throw in your face. He will say that you can't go to God because of something you did. Sometimes we feel we're not worthy. Maybe you argued with your husband. You yelled at your kids. You kicked the dog. Whatever it is, you did something. And so then all of a sudden we feel condemned. We feel guilty. And so we feel like we can't go to God because it's like we're not worthy right now. Maybe none of those are the situations that fit you. Maybe it could be that this last weekend you got drunk. Or you got high, or you're still struggling with drugs, you're still struggling with alcohol or with smoking, or you slept with your boyfriend, or you went back to that porn site again, or you stole something at work, or you gossiped about somebody, you slandered someone, you lied, maybe you got pregnant, maybe you had an abortion. These are all the things, that list can go on and on, but these are the things that Satan will take and throw in your face and tell you that you can't pray, you can't go to God because of those things. But you have to remember that our access to God doesn't depend on who we are. It doesn't depend on anything except for the confession of our sin. 
to be able to go to God. But it's because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It's his death that paves the way for us to enter into God's presence. So this whole thing about prayer, a lot of times we think like, oh, well, I can't go to God because I did this or that. But that, ladies, is like I said, it's a lie from Satan because we have that access. If I'm willing to confess my sin, then I can go to God. I have free access to come with boldness before the Lord. And that's what he wants us to do. He set this up. He wants that fellowship with us. So prayer is a privilege. It's a tremendous privilege that we have. And as you look in the scriptures, there are many different types of prayers. And as you go through the Bible, there's a lot of different ways to classify prayers or organize the different kinds of prayers that we can pray. And I'm just going to use a real simple way to organize it. We're going to use 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And I like that verse because the New Testament was written in Greek. And there's four different words in this one verse that talk about prayer, four kinds of prayer. So it's in 1 Timothy 2.1, and the verse says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So these are four different kinds of prayers that we find in the Bible. Like I said, there's lots of ways to organize the prayers and different kinds of prayers. And as we go through our Bible study this year, I'm sure the different teachers will talk about the kinds of prayers. But this is just a way for you in your mind to think about different kinds of prayers. So the first word that's used there to talk about prayer is the word supplications. He says that that supplications should be made. And supplications means requests. It means requests. And it gives this, it denotes a wanting, it denotes a need that we have, or asking. And the stress here is on the the sense of, of a need. And it's always addressed to God. So we're going to God with this need. We're making a request to God. Paul picks up on this in Philippians 4, 6, when he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There's nothing wrong with coming to God with our requests. And but as long as we keep in mind that God's will comes before ours. And we come to God. One reason we come to him is because he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. So we might think that we know um, something, or we might be praying for God's will or God's guidance in a certain situation. But sometimes we can't know exactly what it is that he wants in this particular situation. So that's why sometimes you hear Christians pray, if it be your will or according to your will or according to your perfect plan, Lord. Because we're, we're conceding that, Lord, we want your perfect plan. We may not know exactly what that is in a particular situation. So when we have a, a supplications are asking God. It's making a request to God. The, other, uh, the second word in that same verse in 1 Timothy 2.1 that's used for prayer is actually translated prayers. And that's just uh, the most frequently used term in the New Testament. And just gen- it's a general reference to prayer, which, like we say, is talking with God. It's not a particular kind of conversation with God. Another word in that verse which talks about prayer is the word intercessions. Intercessions. And in intercession, I thought this was very interesting. The word which is translated intercessions, it's used to describe a meeting. But specifically, the meeting before a king and one of his subjects. It's the way that, that a person would approach their king or their, their majesty, their lord. So it's that kind of attitude that you would come. We come before God to plead on behalf of someone else. We come to bring someone else's request before the Lord. So it's that idea of how somebody would approach somebody, um, how they would come and seek something from God. So that's called intercession. And the last one is translated as giving of thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that denotes the whole idea of praise, the whole idea of worship, just as it says, giving thanks, the idea of gratitude, coming to God with thankfulness. 
And so these are just, like I said, four different words all found in the same verse that refer to different kinds of prayers, supplications, prayers in general, intercessions, and giving of thanks. And you notice when Paul wrote this to Timothy, he didn't prescribe any kind of form of prayer. In other words, he didn't tell Timothy, okay, say it like this or do it like that. What he did was give Timothy just some general guidelines. And you think about it, our conversations with each other aren't always the same. And the same when I go to talk with God, which is what prayer is, my conversation with God is going to be different at different times. I might come sometimes just praising him, thanking him for maybe an answer to prayer or way he has provided. I might come and ask for a friend of mine who's going through a situation. I might come with my own request. So we, our conversation with God changes. There are different types of prayer here. Now, we said that prayer is a privilege. We said there are different types of prayer. The Bible also has a lot to say about how we should pray. Different exhortations in the Bible that are related to prayer. And, the, and one that's really important is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And here Paul writes, pray without ceasing. This is one way we're supposed to pray is without ceasing. And you might kind of wonder, like, well, what's that like? You know, pray without ceasing. And it's actually mostly refers to our attitude. It's that disposition that we're, we constantly have an attitude of prayer, an awareness of our communion with God. In Luke 18, chapter 1, Jesus is talking and he says, um, he says that he, he relates a parable and he says that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So that whole idea, always ought to pray, pray without ceasing. And he says, when we don't pray all the time, we can easily lose heart. So that's why he says we need to pray all the time so we don't get discouraged. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. And at the end of that exhortation about the armor of God, he says that we should stand strong. And at the end there, he says, praying always. So prayer is something we need to do all the time. Have that attitude. Doesn't mean walk around with your eyes closed all the time. But have that attitude. Be aware that you can talk to God at any time, at any moment. So praying without ceasing. Another exhortation in the Bible about how we should pray is that we need to pray in faith. We need to pray in faith. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to pray in faith. True prayer is actually an act of faith, if you think about it. Because it says here in this verse that if we come to God, we must believe that he is. And, you know, we have to remind ourselves, we don't follow a religion. We don't follow a philosophy, some kind of idea. We follow, a, we follow God. And he revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So we have to believe that. We come to God in faith believing that he is, that he exists. So it's not just some um, exercise in futility. We come to God doing some religious practice. I'm supposed to pray. No, it's, it's something I believe he's there. I believe he's listening to me. He's the rewarder, it says, of those who diligently seek him. E.M. Bounds, I love what he says. He says, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. I think that is great. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. When we pray, it's not like we make God do stuff, but God wants to do things. He will move on our behalf. We have that power through prayer to move the hand that moves the world. True prayer is an act of faith. And true prayer takes God at his word. True prayer believes what God says. And this is honestly, I'll tell you, this is one of the things that probably for me is, is so hard to wrap my head around are those verses in the Bible, such as Matthew twenty two twenty one, that say, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Whatever things. Or in 1 John five fourteen, 
It says, this is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So these words such as all things, whatever, anything, all things whatsoever, these words can boggle our, like our sinful mind. And they're not a blank check. It's not like you can just go to God with a blank check to ask this stuff. But the idea is that God does mean what he says. He invites us. It's kind of like largeness in our prayers. Don't limit our prayers. He doesn't put those words in there just because he doesn't want to fill, fill those prayers. He puts those words in there to invite us to come boldly with, and with openness. Again, quoting E.M. Bounds, he says, Prayer and faith are Siamese twins. The heart animates them both. Because faith is always praying. Prayer is always believing. Faith must have a tongue by which it can speak. And prayer is the tongue of faith. Faith must receive. Prayer is the hand of faith stretched out to receive. Prayer must have an audience with God. So faith opens the door and access and audience are given. Prayer asks. Faith lays its hand on the thing that's asked for. So prayer and faith, they go together. And God expects that when we come to him in prayer, that we come to him in faith. Another exhortation is to pray wholeheartedly. And my little note here to myself is don't be (laughs) wishy-washy. Pray wholeheartedly. Don't be wishy-washy about it. A very familiar verse to a lot of us is Jeremiah 29, 13, where the prophet writes, through God speaking through the prophet says, and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. He wants us to pray wholeheartedly. Here God promises to reveal himself to those who seek him with their whole heart. And Jesus used that same phrase when he was asked, well, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember? He said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart. So our heart's a big deal to God and our whole heart. He wants our whole heart. Many times the children of Israel forfeited so many blessings. They forfeited so many answers to prayer because their hearts were divided. Divided between their commitment to the Lord and the idols that they were following. And our hearts can also be divided. My heart can be divided between God and my own self-will. My own, my own will to do what I want. My heart can be divided between God and my career or God and my family. And we know we need a place for our family and our hearts. We need a place for, for our career and stuff. But if those things are going to be in competition with God, they can't be. God has to have my whole heart. Also, we have to remember that if our hearts are not fully given over to the Lord, if they're not fully given to the Lord, if we haven't surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ, then all of this talk about prayer is going to be in vain. Because first and foremost, we have to be sure that our heart is surrendered to him. And the Bible calls this being born again. And so if you're here tonight and you haven't given your life completely to Jesus, or maybe you're not sure if you have, then at the very end, we'd love to talk with you for a moment and just pray with you. Because unless um, we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we could, you know, ask God all sorts of stuff and pray all we want. But if my heart is not committed to him and my life is not committed to Jesus, then my prayers, those prayers are going to be in vain. That prayer, the prayer that's going to matter at that point is, Lord, come into my heart. Lord, come in. I want to give my life to you. That's that first prayer. And so if you haven't made that prayer yet or you're not sure, talk with us afterwards because we want your time of prayer, your time of Bible study to be a blessing. And in order for that to happen, you have to have your heart fully given to God. So, so far we've looked at kind of what prayer is and like the different types of prayer here and a couple of different um, exhortations about how to pray. And I want to wrap this first section up with just some, some guidelines about prayer. There's always the question, is there a correct posture? <laughs> right? First of all, some people do I have to close my eyes. 
And my response is always, if you're driving, no. <laughs> right? Because a lot of us pray when we drive. So if you're driving, no, don't close your eyes. But in fact, the Bible, though, doesn't talk really about closing your eyes when you pray. Actually, the Jews, when they would pray, they would pray with their eyes open looking to heaven and with their hands lifted up. So our whole thing about closing your eyes, a lot of times I think it's just for the distractions and the focus. There's nothing more holier about, you know, closing your eyes or not closing your eyes, right? But some people ask, well, what about the posture? And the Bible goes over a lot of different postures of prayer. Um, we see in the scriptures that there are people who bow when they prayed. When Moses went to the children of Israel and, and told them that God was going to deliver them, it says in Exodus 4:31 that the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. So bowing before the Lord, that is one posture of prayer. Another one we read about in the scripture is kneeling. We know that Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he knelt as he prayed. So did Daniel. We did, that, we did this lesson last Sunday with the kids. Daniel, three times a day in front of his open window, knelt towards Jerusalem and he prayed. So he would kneel. So kneeling is a posture of prayer. On your face before God. We read in the scripture of people who prayed on their face before the Lord. In Joshua 5.14, it says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshipped, and he said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Jesus did the same thing in the, arm, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 39, it says, He went a little farther and he fell on his face. And he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So on our face before the Lord, that's a posture of prayer. And standing, as I mentioned earlier, that was how the Jews customarily prayed. And Solomon, when he started started to dedicate the temple. It says that he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven. So standing, kneeling, those things, the posture doesn't really matter because what does the Lord do? He looks on our heart, right? He looks on the inside. But so the posture on the outside, it could be an expression of, of our prayer to him also. A few other final notes, just general notes about prayer. One of them is that our prayers can be private. You know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 6, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. And the contrast here, he's contrasting this with the Pharisees, the religious people who like to stand out in the marketplace and pray out in the open for everyone to see them. And he said, don't be like that. You go and pray in private. True prayer, true prayer ladies, makes us very, very vulnerable. I mean, if I'm going to pour out my heart to the Lord, if I'm going to admit my faults, my failures, my fears, I mean, that's a very private thing with the Lord. And that's best done probably, like we said, in that private prayer time where we feel less inhibited. But at the same time, there's also in the scripture, there's a lot of examples of public prayer, right? Of when you come together with believers and pray together. We see that a lot in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, for example, in the early church. After Jesus ascended into heaven, it says in Acts 1.14 that all of these, that is all the disciples, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. They continued in one accord. They all met together. Later on, we know that Peter was put into prison. And it says in Acts 12.5 that when he was in prison, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The church met together and prayed for Peter. So we have that time of private prayer. We have the um, example of public prayer. And you really can't say which one's more important. But if you want to say, I would say probably your private prayer. And the reason is this. 
If I'm only going to pray when I get together with other people, I'm probably not going to pray enough. But I need to pray on my own too, right? I need to have that private time, that time when it's just me and God, when I could, like I said, with all those, without being inhibited, without, you know, feeling self-conscious of someone, pour that fear out to him. Pour this problem out to him. The pain I'm feeling, the hurt I'm feeling, the fear I have, right? Share that with the Lord, the questions I have with him. And that's, like I said, that can be a very private, a very vulnerable thing. And so that private prayer, you know, our prayers when we pray together sound very different. I hope them your prayers when you're by yourself with God, when it's you and God, because then it's just you two. And that's the time to get serious with him about stuff. Our prayers as a group is a different tone. And you may have that, that group of people you can pray with and you can be completely honest. But a lot of times we come together and pray. And I'm not saying there's no value in that. There's great value. But it's a very, very different tone. And so the Bible talks about that private prayer time and also our public prayer time. And there's so much more we can talk about if we're just under this first point, which is like, what is prayer? But they only gave me 45 minutes. and There's still two more points to go. So we're going to move on. <laughs> so all of that was about like, what is prayer? The general stuff. What is prayer? And I mentioned our second thing we're going to talk about is, well, why is prayer important? And we're going to look at it from two perspectives. First of all, why is prayer important to God? Okay, because we can't just look at it from our selfish view. Why is it important? Why is prayer important to God? Remember, he's the one who set this thing up. So it's important to him. And probably one of the most important reasons is because he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to commune with us. The scripture says that God made us. We're made for his good pleasure. And so he wants to spend that time with us. So when we have that time of prayer, as I said, that's his chance to hang out with us. God likes to be with his children. He wants to have fellowship. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so as we draw near to the Lord in prayer, he draws near to us. I kind of liken it to a parent and a child. If your child's talking, you're not going to back up and say, what'd you say? You know, like you kind of like, you like what? And you kind of like come closer to them to hear what they're saying. As we seek to draw near to God, he draws near to us. There's that fellowship. So that's why prayer is important to God. That's one reason why it's important to God. Another reason why prayer is important to God is because he wants us to depend upon him. He wants us to depend upon him. He never intended us to walk through this life alone in our own strength. God did not put us here to fumble around on our own. He wants us to go to him. He wants us to depend upon him. Psalm 103 verse 14 says he knows our frame. Remember he created us. He remembers we are dust. He knows our weaknesses. So he wants us to come to him. He wants us to depend upon him. Paul reminds us that in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he says that our sufficiency is from God. We're not sufficient of ourselves. I don't care how good you are in something. I mean, we all have those areas that we lack in. Our sufficiency is from God. And I think Jesus said it the best in John 15, 5, when he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I abide in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. And so as we pray, we become like that branch. We're drawing our strength from Christ, who is that vine. So as we pray, we become like that. So we depend upon him. That's why prayer is important to God. He wants us to come and depend upon him. Another reason prayer is important to God is because he wants to reveal his will to us. He doesn't want you just groping around trying to figure out what God wants with your life. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works that God created beforehand for you to walk in. He planned each of our lives out. He has something for you to do. He knows the steps, the plan he wants you to take. So he wants to reveal that to us. Jeremiah 33.3 33, 
33.3, another very familiar verse to a lot of us. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's why we go to God. He wants to reveal things that we don't know. He wants to reveal his plan for your life. He wants to give you wisdom for those situations that you're in. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He reminds us that, that all, of these, all of the spiritual things are spiritually discerned. With our carnal mind, with our regular mind, our human mind, we can't understand what God's doing many times. We can't understand his plan. But as we come to God in prayer, we can understand. Jesus told the disciples that, he says, I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I call you friends for everything I heard from my father, I've made it known to you. So just as Jesus revealed the father's will to his disciples in that same way, he longs to make his will known to us. So that's another reason why God wants us to come to him in prayer. Prayer is important to God so he can reveal his will to us. And kind of along that same line, it's important to him because he wants to use us. Because like I said earlier, he made us all for a certain purpose. Isaiah kind of gives that the analogy of God being the potter. And we are that clay in his hands. So God has a purpose for my life, a purpose for your life. He wants to use us. So we have to put ourselves into his hands so he can use us, so he can mold us and shape us. In the New Testament, Paul talks about how there are vessels for honor and vessels for dishonor. Kind of like that whole idea of like with the clay and the potter here. He says, if you want to be that vessel for honor, then, then God's going to be able to use you. And that's what we want. In order to be used by God, we have to know his will and we have to be ready to do what he wants. And so the scripture is full of so many stories of people who disqualified themselves, right? People who God wanted to use, but usually because of their disobedience, they disqualified themselves. But through prayer, we can more clearly hear God's voice and we can know his plan for our life. So these are some reasons why prayer is important to God. But we know also that prayer is important to us. And why is it important to us? Well, one reason, and it kind of ties into what we said earlier, prayer allows God to reveal his plans to us. So like the, it's like the flip side. We say that God wants to show us his plans and prayer allows him to reveal those plans to us. He wants to show us. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the prophet writes, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's thoughts and God's ways are way, way, way different than our way of looking at things, our thoughts and our ways. But once God reveals his plan to us, we need to align ourselves with God's plan. And a prayer allows us to participate in what God's doing. We could be spectators. We could be on the sidelines, you know, go God. Yeah, go, you know, right. Or we can do what we can participate in what God's doing. We can participate. Prayer allows us to participate in what God's doing, to come alongside of his plan. Another reason that prayer is important to us is because prayer empowers us. It equips us to fulfill his plan. Because we said God has a plan. He has to prepare you for that. He knows what you need to carry out his plan. He knows if you need wisdom, if you need patience, do you need forgiveness, do you need love, do you need boldness? What is it that you need? What is it that I need to fulfill God's plan? He wants to equip us. He wants to give us what we need. So we can fulfill his plan. So as we come to God in prayer, he is able to do that. In, in the book of Acts, there was a time when the disciples were told not to talk about Jesus anymore. 
right, by the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders. And so they all got together. It says, um, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were just told, don't talk about Jesus. They came together and prayed. And what did God do? He gave them more boldness. That's what they needed. God will equip you for what he calls you to do. But through prayer, he is able to equip us. Another reason that prayer is important to us is because prayer allows us to lift one another up. Prayer allows us to come together and support each other. I don't know about you, but I just, I love being able to go on my phone and text some of my friends about a prayer request. And just to know, have them just, you know, text me right back, like praying for you. That is so comforting to me. That is so encouraging to me to know that I have these people going before the throne of God on my behalf. I mean, that just encourages me so much. You know, Paul wisely said in, in Romans fourteen seven, he says, none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. And you have to understand, ladies, that once you become a Christian, you instantly become a part of the church of God. Not of Calvary Chapel Pasadena, but the church of God. And when you look around you, I hope you realize that these are all, this is your family. These are your sisters in the Lord. They are here for you. And as you come to those studies week after week and you get to know people, you will realize these people are here for you. They will pray with you. They will stand strong with you. They will be there for you. That's what prayer allows us to do. It allows us to lift each other up. The scripture says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. There are people here willing to cry with you over the dire situations that you're in. They are here for you. That's what the body of Christ does. In James 5.14, it says, Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So prayer allows us to fulfill those commands, to come together and support each other. That's another reason why it's important to us. And finally, I know there are a lot of other reasons why prayer is important to us, but I just want to mention one more. And that is that prayer is a powerful weapon against Satan, against our flesh, and against the ungodly influences of this world. You know, Paul describes our spiritual armor there in Ephesians chapter 6. And at the end of that, um, that section, he says, And taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Paul tells us that we need to pray all the time. That's part of, of what we need to do to overcome Satan. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch him pray to his disciples. He says, watch him pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He tells us that when we pray, we can keep from falling into temptation. Pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Earlier, I mentioned in Luke 18, verse 1, where Jesus says that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. So when we pray, we encourage ourselves not to lose heart. So prayer is a weapon against Satan. It's a a weapon against the temptations I face, my own flesh, about the things around me, the world that would discourage me. Prayer is a weapon against those things. That's why it's important to me. So prayer is important for God. Prayer is also important to us because it allows us to fellowship with him. And as a result of spending time with him, God's able to reveal his will to us. And then he's able to equip us so we can live out his purposes with boldness and we can live out his purposes victoriously. Prayer also builds up the body of Christ, which is the church, and it enables us to fulfill his plan. So we look kind of like at what prayer is and why it's important. And I want to finish up by looking at what hinders our prayers. You know, I said prayer is way too important. Earlier I mentioned that God's not going to keep us guessing about what prayer is. He explains it. And same thing in the scripture. The Bible very clearly explains what can hinder our prayers. And this is really important because a lot of times when our prayers are not answered, we just say, Oh, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. 
And that's just, that's, and that, that could be true, but am I just saying that or do I know that as a fact, right? And Andrew Murray has a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And he says, it's far easier for the flesh to submit without an answer, like to say, oh, well, I guess it's not as well. It's a lot easier for my flesh to say that than to yield itself to be searched and purified by the spirit. So instead of me searching out, what is that that's hindering my prayer? Why isn't this prayer being answered? Because the scripture you're going to see is very clear what can hinder our prayers. But instead, I just go, well, guess it wasn't God's will. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to try another prayer then, right? But God wants us to search out why our prayers aren't being answered. Okay? So many different reasons why prayer can be hindered. One reason, and I'm going to, I'll say the reason, I'll give you the verse. You can maybe write that down, but I'll read the verse after. One reason our prayers are hindered, it says, a selfish purpose in prayer is going to hinder your prayers. If your purpose, if your reason is selfish, that will hinder your prayers. And that's James 4.3. He writes, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. If I have a selfish purpose in my prayer, he says I'm asking amiss. It's not going to happen. We pray for something for it to be the will of God. But it, when it doesn't happen, like I said, the prayer doesn't happen. I need to say, see why. Maybe my motive was selfish. The true purpose of prayer is that God will be glorified. Any other reason isn't going isn't to work. It could be a selfish reason. Even an example, for example, if, if there's a woman and you're, if your husband's not saved and she prays that God would save her husband, noble prayer. But I guess the question, okay, let's look, what is the motive? Is she praying that God would save her husband just so that there'd be peace in the household? Right? Then that's almost like a selfish reason. It's like, I, like God save my husband so that, you know, we'd get along. Right? So... I'm not saying that God's not going to save your husband. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, it's just like, what's the motive behind the prayer? Is the motive that God's going to be glorified, that his, the name of Christ is going to be lifted up? Those are the prayers that God honors, not the prayers when I have a selfish motive. So even a, mo- even a prayer that could be like a good prayer, I could be saying it for the wrong reason. I could say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. He, the scripture says he wants to, but why? So that I can impress people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, so what is the motive of our prayer is the idea here. If it's a selfish purpose, a selfish prayer was going to hinder a selfish um, reason is going to hinder your prayer. Something else that hinders our prayer, obviously, is sin. Sin hinders our prayer. And if you were ever wondering what verse you can use for that, Isaiah 59 verses one and two, that very specifically says, behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it can't save. Nor is his ear heavy that it can't hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. He will not hear. Our sin will separate us from God. And we know that. But like I said, sometimes it's easier to say, like, I guess there's no answer. But when there is no answer, I need to do what the psalmist says. I need to pray, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Lord, show me. Is there something in my life? Is there a sin in my life, Lord, that is keeping this, you from answering this prayer? Lord, reveal it to me. Reveal the sin in my heart. So all of this to say we can't just brush off when the prayers don't come and say, oh, it's just not God's will. Okay, what is it, Lord? Is my prayer selfish? Lord, is there sin in my life? Reveal it to me. What are those things that are hindering our prayers? Another reason our prayer is hindered. Third one, idols. We can have idols in our heart. And if we have idols in our heart, God will refuse to listen to our prayers. He won't listen to your prayers. Ezekiel 14.3. God says, son of man, these men, talking about the religious leaders in Israel, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put them and put before them that which causes them to stumble. Should I let myself be inquired at all by them? 
These people have idols in their heart and they come to me. Should I let them come and pray, you know, pray to me? If I have idols in my heart, God is not going to listen to my prayers. And we know an idol is anything that takes the place of God. As women, we can make idols of our children. And it's not that you can love your children too much, but if your child takes that supreme place in your life, if, it, if they come before God and their interests come before God, God's interests, then that can become an idol. We can make an idol of our career, of our reputation. All those things are important, but if they become, if they get in the way of what God wants to do or, or dethrone God in my life, then those things become idols. And sometimes when God doesn't answer a prayer, it's because he wants to reveal something that's wrong in my life. He wants me to go to him, Lord, show me, and he can reveal this idol in my heart. He can reveal this sin that maybe I know I knows there, but I just don't want to admit it, right? He makes me fess up to it. So God, sometimes he withholds answers to prayer so that we will ask him to search our hearts. So idols in our heart can keep our prayers from being answered. Another hindrance to prayer is an unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit. God won't answer your prayers. Mark eleven twenty five. Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So prayer is answered. Remember, we talked about our access to God. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven through the blood of Christ. So my access to God is based on forgiveness. So God, if I'm not going to forgive someone else, God is not going to honor that forgiveness. In other words, he can't deal with us on the basis of forgiveness if I'm not going to forgive someone else. It says right here, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may also forgive you. So I have to ask myself, if, if I have any hatred in my heart, if I have unforgiveness in my heart, is that really worth having my prayers go unanswered? Right? Oh, I need to forgive those people or God's not going to answer my prayers. Something else that can keep our prayers from being answered is a wrong relationship between a husband and a wife. First Peter three, seven, right into the husbands. It says, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. We could suppose if he's telling the husbands that the same thing works for the wives, that you need to make sure that your prayers are not hindered. You need a right relationship with your husband. And so if you're a married couple and you find that your prayers aren't being answered, then that's something you need to do is as a couple seek the Lord because if there are problems between you as spouses, that will hinder your prayer life. Finally, um, the last one I'm going to mention here is that our prayers are hindered by unbelief. One thing that will stop my prayers from being answered is unbelief. And we mentioned unbelief before. In James 1, verses 5 through 7, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally to all and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. If we ask in faith without doubting, but if we doubt, we're like that wave. And he says, don't let that double-minded person think they're going to get their prayer answered. So we come to God, we have to come in faith. We have to believe his word. A lot of times, like I said, um, my prayers can be hindered by my unbelief, by not taking God at his word, not believing his promises. So just as God word, God's word clearly explains to us what prayer is, the Bible also tells us what it is that hinders our prayers. And that's really, really important to keep in mind. If my prayers aren't being answered, why is that? Because God desires to answer our prayers. And so we need to go before him and ask him what it is that's keeping those prayers from being answered. What is it that's hindering that prayer? Don't just write it off. 
is I guess it's not his will, but put yourself out there with the Lord and give him a chance to speak to your heart about that. So there it is, our introduction to prayer, right? <laughs> not everything you need to know about prayer, um, but hopefully enough to whet your appetite and get you coming back again. Um, we looked at what prayer is. We know it's talking to God. It's a privilege for us, and we want to keep that privilege always in mind. We looked at why prayer is important to God, why prayer is also important to us, and also what are some of those things that hinder our prayers because we should expect answers to our prayers. And when they don't come, we need to ask God to examine our lives. And we know, ladies, that prayer is a very, very essential part of our Christian lives. And so learning how to pray should be a priority. It has to be a priority for each of us. And so I really want to encourage you to join us next week. And like I said, the week after that, and the week after that, right? Make that effort to be here. Um, Life will happen. Craziness will happen, you know, but make it a priority to come, to study God's word together, and together that we can ask him to teach us how to pray. So please go ahead and bow your heads with me. Father, we come to you, Lord, with grateful hearts in Jesus' name, knowing, Lord, that you have so much waiting for us this year. Lord, we haven't even scratched the surface. And so, God, I ask that each of my sisters here, as she goes home this week, that you would take your word that went out tonight, Lord, and stir it in her heart. Father, give all of us, Lord, awaken within us a hunger, Lord, for prayer that we can't even explain. Lord, that we've never experienced such a desire, a fervent desire before for prayer before lord stir that in all of our hearts father and encourage us lord as we learn together how to pray and we ask this in jesus name amen